throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Rocky Hill Accountants offers a unique, low-pressure approach to professional and personal services, which is why they have an excellent client retention rate and are extremely proud of the high-quality services that their firm provides. The executive team at Rocky Hill Accountants has over 35 years of combined experience in income tax preparation, bookkeeping, accounting, and IT crypto tax. They specialize in individual income tax preparation, as well as trusts, estates, and gift tax returns. The tax debt line for individuals is May 17th. If you're one of the 50 million Americans who still hasn't filed, visit RockyHillAccountants.com. Throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin Anafrio, And we're going to get to the NBA. We had a big night in the NBA last night, but we got to get to the big story that's been going on this week, and that's with Julio Jones. And he said on Undisputed on Monday with Shannon Sharp, he didn't know if he was live or not, but he ended up being live. And he said with Shannon Sharp that he wants out of Atlanta. We've heard a lot of rumors about Julio Jones not wanting to be with the Falcons anymore. I hear this has been going on since March. And uh, this is a a very tricky situation for the Falcons because if the Falcons, to me, are a team that's really kind of lacking direction. I mean, I think they went into the draft thinking, okay, we could still compete for a championship with Matt Ryan. So they chose not to take a quarterback. They chose to take Kyle Pitts. But now one of their best players wants out. So – to me, Atlanta is all over the place right now. You know, they, they, they still think they can move with Matt Ryan, but now that now they're probably going to end up trading Julio Jones. And uh, for Julio Jones, I mean, I've, he's, he's, he's narrowed it down to two teams. He's, I, think, I think he's narrowed it down to two teams. I think it's the Titans. I think it's the Titans or the Patriots. So it's one of those two teams that Julio Jones is probably going to go to. And, and, I mean, if he goes to the Titans, I mean, they, they'll have that running game with Derrick Henry. They'll have, they have a good receiver in, in, uh, in, uh, in AJ, in, uh with with AJ Brown and they got a, they obviously got a, a they would have Julio Jones and and listen Julio Jones the only three years he's been in the league for for uh, ten years the only three years he was under a thousand yards was the was his rookie year, two thousand eleven, two thousand thirteen where he tore his ACL and last year where he missed he missed seven games due to injury so 
when he's been healthy, he's had over a thousand yards. Yes, he may not be, you know, one of the top receivers anymore. He may not be on that DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams level, but he's still, still, I would say, a top five, top ten receiver. I still think, I and mean, for years, he was one of the best receivers in all of football. This guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I feel like this guy could still play at an elite level. And it, it would, if if New England or Tennessee get him, that would be, they, it would make one of those two teams clearly a playoff team. Even New England, who does not have. Who, who does not have a good quarterback right now. I mean, they have a, a r- rookie quarterback, and I think it has been in Cam Newton. But I, I think that well, wh- if he goes to one of those two places, he def- if he could stay healthy, he definitely makes them a playoff team. But Justin, the qu- here's my question. Which team would, would, which team would have a better chance of being a Super Bowl, Bowl contender if they landed Julio Jones? The Titans or the Patriots? I'm going to I'm going to say the Titans because I think that offense and I know the defense isn't as good as the Patriots but that offense would be one of the top offenses in the league with Henry with AJ Brown and with uh, and with uh, and with with Julio Jones. Uh and and Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than what the Patriots have. I don't I know he's not a great quarterback but he's better than what the Patriots have. If he went to the Patriots, we'd have to see who's throwing him the football. We don't know really know who's throwing him the ball. So, I would say in my opinion, I would say the Titans would be a better chance of being a Super Bowl contender if they traded for Julio Jones. But who do you think would be a, would have a better chance? I took the I'm taking the Patriots just because of the Titans defense. I feel like I don't know if the Titans would be able to stop anybody with that defense. I feel like the Patriots have a better chance. Um look and then, yeah, obviously the Patriots are lacking number one wide receiver. I think if the Patriots get it, I know he wants to play with Cam, which is very odd because Cam can't throw a deep ball, but Again, I, I don't know, but if he wants to come play the game, that, that's fine with me. Because, um, yeah, we need a number one wide receiver. It'll help our offense out big time to have a true number one wide receiver. I know we've been rumored to trade for him. Like, it feels like the last two to three years, it seems like, you know, the Patriots have been rumored to, you know, be talking to Lan about Julio Jones. Um, but I do think the Patriots are have the better champion super contender. Yes, the Titans offense is, is going to be ridiculous. I just don't see any way how – when they play like a Kansas City or Buffalo, how they get them off the field. And and that's why I just don't think Tennessee's gonna be able to still make a stop. But yes, they're often to be ridiculous defensively. They, you know, he won't help at all on that defense. Yeah, I, I would even say even I don't think either team would be even their favorite to win the division if they land him. No. But it would but it but it would add maybe a win or two to that. If he if he plays the way if he if he's still one of the top receivers in the league it would add a win or two to those teams. Like I have, I have the Titans as like a 10 win team right now. The Patriots is a nine win team, but say the Titans get, get Julio Jones. I'd say they'd be a 12, they'd be a 11, 12 win team and have a, I mean, right there with, uh, with, with, with the Colts. And then I would say if the Patriots got them with the coaching, the Patriots have in the defense, I'd say they'd be 11, 11, I mean, 11 win team, maybe better than they probably leapfrog Miami and they would probably be clo- closer to Buffalo. So I don't think either team would be the best team in the division. If, if they got Julio Jones, but it would definitely, Definitely make, definitely make uh, both those teams better. Yeah, definitely. I have both those. Yeah, either team adds Julio. I, I think they're probably still the third or third best team in the conference uh, behind Buffalo and Kansas City. It'd be close with Baltimore. Um, I'm kind of right, you know, all three of them would be very close together. But, yeah, um, if, 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 you know, if the Patriots add him, yeah, you know, I know he hasn't been – I know he's had trouble staying on the field – um, but yeah, if he could stay healthy, he definitely adds another few wins because of how good he is. You know, obviously with the Titans, you add him with, you know, Henry, you already have AJ Brown, who's a really good two, but you know, they need a one. I think AJ Brown, I think AJ Brown's a one. I think, I think he's a one. I mean, he's proven in the last couple of years, he's a one. 
it would just, I mean, if, they, if him and Julio, he would just be the second best receiver if Julio Jones joined him. That would be a great receiving core if they both, if they both, if he went to the Titans. Yeah, that'd be a really, really nice combo. With already with that running game that they have in, in um, Derrick Henry, it would definitely be a very explosive off, explosive offense. It'd be very, very tough to to stop. Um, so yeah, I, I think definitely the Titans definitely would win the division if they can get him. Um, and then Patriots, yeah, I still probably say they're probably a game or two out behind Buffalo, even with Julio Jones. So yeah, I think both teams would be right there, but definitely not the favorites to win um, the AFC yet. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, neither would be a favorite to win the AFC, but both would both would compete for a championship. But looking at his contract with the Falcons, uh, he's got uh, two more years left on his deal after this year. Uh, his cap hit is nineteen million next year, and, and if they trade him, it's seventeen point five in, in dead cap money. And then I think the next year, it's his, his cap hit is nineteen million again. It's only seven million in dead money if they for for his last year of his contract in 2023. So he still has two, two to three years left on his contract. So the Falcons would also have to take a cap hit probably this year, probably next year if they end up trading him too. So to me, this Atlanta organization just – it's lacking direction. It really is. You know, you would think if you didn't draft a quarterback, you were all in to win with Matt Ryan. And to me, being all in to win with Matt Ryan means you uh, you, you end up keeping Julio Jones. Because what, what are you doing, you know, you know, trying to free up cap space now? The, the season's about the season's about to start. There's no more free agency. What are, what are you trying to do to free up cap space now? So, I I, I would say if I'm the Falcons, uh, you would definitely want to keep Julio Jones. Uh, you definitely want to keep Julio Jones and try your best to win this year. Even though that division, they got to go against Tom Brady twice a year, that, and they got to go up against the Saints twice a year, and they only won four games last year. Even though they were bet, probably better than their record, still this team to me lacks direction. And this 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 season for the Falcons to me is looking like six and eleven and five and twelve. It looks very similar to what the Giants were two years ago, where they lacked direction by not wanting to end the Eli Manning year, right? Like kind of ending the Eli Manning era, but not, and then drafting Daniel Jones. So to me, as I've said, this Atlanta team lacks direction right now, and I I, I don't think even if they if if they get rid of Julio Jones, this this has got four and thirteen, five and twelve written all over it this year for the Falcons. Totally, yeah, and they definitely do lack kind of where where the direction because. Yeah, that offense is good enough to compete, but it's the defense. The defense, they just can't stop anybody, you know? That's that's the big issue. And, you know, again, yeah, they should keep Julio. Unless if, he, if he's going to sit out, you know, the next two years and he's going to waste it, then I'd say just get rid of him, you know? And maybe by freeing up cap, cap space, I don't know, maybe there's a defensive player that's out on the trade market that we don't, don't know about that they think that they can get if they trade Julio somewhere else, they have some money. You know, I don't know, because obviously they need help on the defensive end. Um, but, yeah, it, it you know, be better for him to keep Julio. But if he doesn't want to be there and if, he, if he's going to sit out and not play or any of that, then I think it would be better for the Falcons just to trade him and, again, add some cap or even, you know, adding some cap and trying to trade for a defensive player that, again, maybe, you know, you, you could trade for yeah, and, and I think if they were going to do this, they really needed to do this, you know, in March, you know, before free agency, before the draft, know what direction they're going in. They went into a direction where they were saying, oh, we're all in to win with Matt Ryan. And now you're now going to give up Julio Jones. It just it makes no sense. It's it's mixed signals to me. If you're going to trade Julio, I, what I would have done, though, if you want, if you if you're going to have to trade Julio Jones, do it before the draft. Try to trade Matt Ryan. I know they have big cap hits, but try to trade Matt Ryan as well. Draft a quarterback and, and 
and completely rebuild. Then you'll get maybe a top three pick next year. Just completely rebuild with your new coach and with your new GM. Yeah, definitely. You know, they, they definitely could have. Um, yeah, because sitting there at four, they could have gone and, you know, gone taken a quarterback if they wanted to. Um, you know, so, yeah, um, they could. Yeah, because it, it would have been, yeah, nice to, you know, get rid of Because there's some teams out there. I know there were the many that were kind of looking, kind of going in direction for quarterback that probably would have taken them. Like at Denver, I don't think New England would have took them, but it was a possibility. I don't think Carolina, they would have probably traded him to Carolina, but. You know, they had some options where they could have traded him. Um, but, yeah, like, I just um, – again, yeah, it just – again, this Falcons organization has not been the same since they choked a 23 game. It just no. – they just – No, it's been – not been the same. It's been downhill ever since yeah. they lost that Super Bowl. It's been complete. I mean, you thought, you know, when they were when they were, when they they were were playing in that Super Bowl, this could be – they could win multiple Super Bowls with all the young players they had on defense. Vic Beasley was good at the time. Vic Grady Jarrett was really good. Deion Jones was really good. Keanu Neal was really good. But it's just because, but Beasley was didn't turn, didn't pan out. Uh, Keanu Neal couldn't stay healthy, and uh, and Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett are good, but they really haven't been able to carry that defense. So yeah, it's it's just it's been all downhill for the Falcons ever since that twenty eight that that collapse in, in Super Bowl fifty one. Yeah, it has, and you know they don't know what they're doing out there, but hopefully there's some sense of direction. You would hope now maybe it's they do end up going the rebuild mode, but. You keep Ryan. I don't know what's what it's doing. I know all the cap, but yeah, it's an interesting situation. Atlanta's in. They should have figured it out months ago, but and it's Atlanta. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And we'll lastly we'll look at some other teams that Julio Jones might be able to go to. I was hearing rumors the Niners were on that list, the Washington Football Team, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Packers, the Colts, the Ravens. I know it's a long shot, but I wouldn't mind seeing him on the Colts or Ravens. I think if he can get go to like a Colts or Ravens or a Niners, he would make those teams even more of a Super Bowl contender than he would the Pats or the Titans. Oh yeah, definitely. Like a Baltimore, they get they get a number one for Lamar Jackson. Definitely the Colts adding yeah another piece for Carson once. Um, you know, which we talked about in a division where it's you know winnable, that I, I definitely would have helped them out. Niners as well in a very tough division to grab grab another wide receiver. Oh, the Packers one's interesting because they they can somehow land him. Maybe it's enough. I don't know if they're that done. If Rogers is that done, and Julio wouldn't, you know, even he wouldn't even go back for Julio. If I'm Green Bay, I'd be trying to swing everything I got to to get Julio and see if that would keep Aaron Rodgers in town. Yeah, that would be interesting. That'd be interesting. It's a long shot there, but that would be yeah. really interesting to see if that would happen. Yeah, I would. You know, I again, you can't really, you know, again, I would ask him first and see if we make the move. But again, try something to help. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we'll see what ends up happening with Julio Jones. It should be interesting in the coming weeks. We've seen a lot of NFL players want out. It started with Deshaun Watson, then Russell Wilson, big time players. Deshaun Watson, Russell Russell Wilson. Uh, then it then it went to Aaron Rodgers. Now it's the Julio Jones. You get all these big time men. It's 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 becoming the NBA in the NFL now. All these yeah. big time players want out. Not a good thing. It's it's not. I I don't. Thank God for the sport. I don't think. And all these guys, I, I understand, but I just don't think it's great for the sport. I think what a lot of people saw was Tom Brady won a Super Bowl uh, with leaving the Patriots, and they're all saying, "Oh, if I leave, I could have success." So yeah, I, I think, think that was the thought process. The difference between though these players and Brady, Brady at least waited for his contract to expire to leave. He yeah. didn't talk about leaving New England. These players, they're all all these guys are under contract, and they're talking about leaving. Yeah. That's that's the difference. 
Oh yeah, definitely. You know, Brady, yeah, stuck around, took a couple pay cuts. Yeah, you know, just stay quiet until and then took off when he could. And yeah, um, look, and and um, and I was hearing something too interesting with Brady. It was like OJ Howard, you know, when he was there or when he was at, he said, you know, minute Brady walked through the door, it turned into Alabama. That's culture-wise. Oh yeah. You know, that's kind of yep. also what Brady does. I now yep. I don't know if any of those guys would bring the same type of thing because I also think that was a you know big part of it, but. Yeah, you know, um, I just don't think it's great for the sport that all these guys want to leave. Again, I kind of feel like you signed the contract. Just so, you know, I know the teams trade guys away. You know, I know that all happens. It's business. But I, I just I don't like when guys always just want to get out of town, you know. And, you know, when things just aren't pieces of roses for them. Yep, yep, yep. It's, it's been it's been going on. It's starting to go on in the NFL though, and we'll see if these if if all if all four of the guys who want out end up getting out. That's going to be the big. That's going to be the interesting part. If 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 you know if Watson ends up getting traded out of Houston, if Rodgers ends up getting traded out of Green Bay, if Wilson gets traded out of Seattle, and if uh and if Julio Jones gets traded out of Atlanta. So we'll see if if those if those four guys end up getting traded, and, and then if there is, we know there's a culture change in the NFL. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I totally will be, you know, and it's just going to open the floodgates and teams that are rebuilding that have stars that are trying to build around. It's just, it's going to get even worse for a lot of, for a lot of teams. It's, it's going to be tough to kind of have rebuild job to really get a rebuild job going if either. Exactly. 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 So we had a big night in the NBA playoffs. Two LA teams had must wins. One came through, one didn't. We'll let you know which one came through and didn't after we gave you a promo from Clovercrest Media. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. Listen, I gotta, I gotta give Jace credit. He, our producer, he does a great job, you know, matching the promos to what we're gonna talk about yeah. next. He does an outstanding job of that, you know. So I definitely gotta give him credit for that. I, I love, I love the fact that we talk about an, a, an, a, 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 a topic, and the promo is is the topic we're talking about. And that, and that promo was from is the posting up podcast. That is ever that, that was yesterday. They they had they had a show, and they'll have a show on Saturday. So make sure you're listening all postseason to the posting up podcast, uh, Sean. Lucas, Isaiah, and Jace. They do an outstanding job. I filled in a, I filled in a bunch of times on it too. So listen to the posting of podcast this this Saturday at one o'clock. We'll be talking, we'll be talking the NBA, be right before another big Saturday in the NBA playoffs. We'll be talk, so they'll be talking about that. But we got to get into the NBA playoffs and we'll start with the Lakers who lost on Sunday, but they bounced back last night, got a big win over the Suns, 109-102 series tied at one. And I think the biggest difference from Sunday to last night was Anthony Davis and LeBron James. You know, on on Sunday, AD was not good at all. He had 13 points. LeBron had 18. Devin Booker outscored both of them with 34. Last night, it was a different story for the Lakers with AD and LeBron. Uh, AD, had, uh, AD had 34. LeBron had 23. They both had really good games. Yes, Booker had had 31 and AD had 22. But the but but the thing was but the thing was is the rest of the net starting the rest of the Suns starting five. I know Chris Paul is playing hurt. He only had six points. Miles Bridges had six. Jay Crowder had eight. 
And then you had other guys step up on the Lakers. You had Drummond with 15 and Dennis Schroeder with 24. The biggest key to last night, though, was is the two Lakers guys had re- the two big guys in the Lakers had really good games, and they had a third guy that stepped up in Dennis Schroeder. And that's a big reason why the Lakers got Dennis Schroeder that he could step up in the playoffs like this. And that was the difference last night. And and I think the Lakers right now are back on track. I still got them winning the series in six. Justin, the question to you is: Are the Lakers back now that they won Game Two? Uh, you know, I'm going back and forth. You know, because obviously last weekend the Warriors, again, they kind of woke up late in that that third, fourth quarter they got going. Sunday their defense was was awful. They Phoenix just kind of exposed them with the pick and roll game. They were better last night. I think it really depends on how healthy Chris Paul is. I really think the Suns missed him on kind of the floor, especially in that second half. I think they really missed him on the floor. If he's not healthy and that shoulder's still bothering him, I, I think the Lakers have a huge, huge advantage. I also, and especially if Anthony Davis is going to go to the line 20 times a game, as he did last night, I, I don't think there's any way the Suns are going to be able to win. DeAndre Aiden's been playing really, really well, but it's just a tough matchup on him and him and Drummond. Um, they're just two tough guys to guard. So, um, again, the Suns are going to need a little bit more for the Lakers. The Strode can kind of keep doing that. Kyle Kuzma has to show up too. We, we Kyle Kuzma can score, but these first two games, he oh, just, he's been he's been pathetic. Yeah, if he can get going too, then I, I think the Lakers could be very very dangerous as we all thought. But um, you know, I, I think the Lakers have a good chance, but um, they they played a lot better last night than they did on Sunday. Absolutely, and you made a good point with Chris Paul not being on the floor. He doesn't make the J. He makes the Jay Crowders. He makes the Miles Bridges better. Yeah, a lot of people have mm. knocked him for averaging 16 points a game and saying he's not a great player anymore. But he's changed the culture with the Suns oh, team. Yeah. He's made them a. Uh, they weren't a play. They hadn't been a playoff team in almost a decade, and they were a playoff team this year. I know they may not be more as talented as the Lakers, but they were a playoff team this year. And he made the, you know the Jay Crowders and the Miles Bridges. He makes those guys better because he's able to you know get the ball to those guys. And when he's not in there, you can see the difference. They're the, they're, they're not as good. So, yeah, it was a very good point with Chris Paul there. And, yeah, but I think the difference in the series is going to be the Lakers got the two best players in the series. And that's ultimately, yes, the Suns got the home court, but I think ultimately the Lakers having AD and LeBron makes the difference. Definitely. If AD is on and, and LeBron is on, it's it's pretty much unstoppable. And then you add Drummond down low as well. It just it, – it's, it's just obviously just a tough matchup. I know, yeah, Phoenix tried to get him with the pick and roll – um, I think too, if Phoenix can kind of speed up the Lakers and, and get them in a transition, I think they have a better chance. But yeah, if the Lakers can control the pace of the game with LeBron, AD, and Drummond, it's just tough to stop those three. Um, it's it, it just is. I know Crowd is a really good defender, but um, it, again, it's just it's a tough matchup to try to slow those guys down for 40 minutes, 48 minutes a game. It's just it, and to win 40, you know, and to win a four game set against those three, if all of them are on. Yeah, and I said I said in my article the biggest reason why the Suns probably won't win this series is they don't have two players at the. I like uh, Devin Booker is a top top fifteen to top twenty player in this league, but they don't have two players that are, that are on the level or have the experience. I mean, yeah, I know Chris Paul's a playoff experience, but he's not on the level of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that's what I said in my article. That's why I think the Lakers still win this series in six. Yeah, definitely. I am. I'm with you. Unfortunately, I was feeling really high about the Suns after Sunday, and I yeah, because you really you want the Suns to win as a Kings fan, and Jace Car Jace probably the same way wants wants the Suns to win because he don't want to, doesn't want the Lakers to play the Jazz in the conference finals. But you you want you wanted this as a Kings fan. You definitely love seeing those Lakers lose. 
Yeah, that, that was fun Sunday. I, I felt good, too, going to have. I was like, maybe, maybe the Phoenix has them here, but unfortunately, no. Jeez, um, I, I want the Lakers. He wants to see those Lakers in the conference finals, if they get to the conference finals. I mean, it's not looking great for the Jazz right now, but, yeah, Jace wants the Lakers. To be the best, you got to beat the best, and he's right about that. Jace is right about yeah, that. To, be, to beat the man, you got to beat. You got to be the man. You got to beat the man. And he's definitely and Jace is definitely right about that. Yeah, he is. I'm Mitchell, he can make a huge statement to the league if he uh, not he's able to knock off the conference finals. That'd be good. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Now we're gonna move on to the LA team as in big, big. Tr- oh, here's 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 another. Oh, we got. We'll talk about. We'll talk. Oh, we got Sean now. Too bad the Jazz won't get there, Jace. <laughs> Sean, Sean knows. Sean knows what's up. He he know he knows that the, the Jazz are probably going to lose the Mavericks or Lakers. Sean knows what's up. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's fine, very positive. I, I I'm cheering for the Jazz. They're they're in I I like to see these small kind of market teams go on. Of course, you 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 always like to see small market teams win. Especially you love these. Like you like the the small conferences in college basketball. Yeah. You like to see these small market teams win. I like, chaos. I like yeah, chaos. Yeah, you like you like the chaos. You like the chaos. So yeah, you, we know we know you want the Suns and Jazz to play in that conference yeah. final. You, you'll okay. you'll definitely be watching that conference final if the Jazz and Suns play. But we got to move on to the other LA team, and that's the Clippers, and they are in big big trouble right now. Uh, uh, they just had they, they just they've been beaten twice by the Mavs, and how about Luka Doncic? How phenomenal has Luka Doncic been? He had he had a thirty nine points last night. Uh, uh, 30, 31 on on Saturday, and uh, the, 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 the the and I said in my article again, and when I when I wrote my article, two guys that really need to step up for the Mavericks were Kristaps Porzingis in the series and Tim Hardaway, and Tim Hardaway has been phenomenal. The guy's been great from three point range. Uh, he had twenty eight last night. He was hot. I told you, I try to warn everyone. Tim Hardaway was hot in the second half of the season. He was he was getting red hot. He was playing great when Porzingis was out, and he has carried that onto the playoffs. Tim Hardaway has been outstanding. I mean, he's played. He's 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 out. He's, you could you could you could argue he's outplayed Paul George in the series. He's he's been phenomenal for the Mavericks. And Kristaps Porzingis, after his you know quote unquote strip club incident, played really well last night too. I mean, he played really well. He had twenty points last night as well. So Kristaps Porzingis played really well. And I think the biggest story why the Mavs, Mavs have had so much success is the way they've shot the three ball. They hit 17 threes on Saturday. They hit 18 threes, 18 threes last night. They have shot the three ball so well. I mean, they had help from Maxi Kleber last night shooting Kleber last night shooting the three ball. Obviously, Porzingis hit three threes. Dodgers hit five threes. Hardaway hit six threes. Hardaway's just been unstoppable from three-point range. And uh the Clippers are in trouble. They can't guard Luka Doncic. They have no answer defensively for Luka. Luka has just been unguardable in this series. He's out. I mean, Kawhi Leonard played great last night, but he's outplayed Kawhi Leonard. And 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 then, and then looking at the Clippers, I mean, I know Kawhi had a great night last night with 41, but only three points in the first quarter and the fourth quarter in game in game uh, in game one. Paul George was terrible in the first half in in, in, in game one. He played better in the second half, but he, he but even last night he did get 20, 28 points, but one for seven from three point range. And this is a three point shooting league. Got to you got to have success shooting the three. And the Clippers bench has been pretty good. That's the only thing they've done better than the Mavericks in this series is their bench has been better. But the biggest issue has been Marcus Morris has been absolutely terrible in this series. He was terrible again on, on, on Saturday. He was not great last night after he ended up fouling out. He did get a little, he got hot a little bit at the end last night, but he ended up fouling out. And uh, but they're getting no, they're getting nothing from Beverly, they're getting nothing from Zubox, and they're getting nothing from Morris. If you're Ty Lu, you may have to make a coaching change. You may have to put Batum in the starting lineup. You may have to put Rondo, you Rondo in the starting lineup. You might have to change things up. Because if you lose this series, your job might be on the line again. 
You, you have oh, been – he has been completely outcoached by Rick Carlisle in this series. So, Mavs are up 2-0 heading to Dallas. The question I got for you, Justin, though, is how can the Clippers get back in the series and avoid getting upset in the playoffs again? Yeah, they're going to need – Kawhi was great, yes. Paul George has got to hit some threes. Um, Beverly's got to step – I know defensively – I know Patrick Beverly's really good defensively, but Luka Doncic is just – he's tearing – you know, he's torn him up, and then they try Kawhi on him. It just – you know, it hasn't worked. You pretty much just have to try to guard Luka Doncic full court and just not give him any room to breathe the minute he, you know, you, you got to try to deny him the ball, just, you know, with Kawhi. I, cause yeah, but then Tim Hardaway, unbelievable, you know, and it looked like late in that game last night, it looked like, I think Clippers got it down to four. They got down to four and then hard and Hardaway at the big yeah. shot. Hardaway at the huge, huge shot he hit last night. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, and that's the thing, you know, Hardaway's that hot. Yeah. He's six, six or eight. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to be tough. It got it, the Mavericks are just hitting shots like they were like that, that, that first half that was guys, they, they couldn't, both teams couldn't miss. And, you know, it was what team could make a few stops and the Mavericks got it, but Clippers defensively have to be bad. I just, you just got to try to deny Luka Doncic the ball. I think that's really the only way you could try to stop him right now. And with the lack, I, I know that's tough. But. Yeah. And, and with the lack of defense, everybody said it was all Doc Rivers fault. Doc Rivers and the coaching, I think, is the big difference in the series. Oh, yeah. Rick Carlisle's a really good coach, and Ty Lue is a bad coach. Let's be honest. Ty Lue is not a good coach. He's been lucky to have talented teams. He was lucky to have LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love in Cleveland, and this year he was lucky to have Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Ty Lue is – the biggest mistake the Clippers made was firing Doc Rivers. That was a terrible move. Look at what Doc Rivers has done with the Sixers this year. Doc oh. Rivers is a very good coach. Yeah, coaching doesn't make a huge – it's not the, It's not like the NFL where coaching makes a, a, a huge difference, but – in the NBA, you can't have a coach like Ty Lue and expect to win it in a series where you're, you're you're at par with the other team. The only series Ty Lue has won in his co- coaching career where he's, he's, he was arguably not better than the other team was that 2016 NBA Finals when the Cavaliers beat when the Cavs beat the Warriors and uh, when when they came back from three one down. But let's be honest, who was coaching that team? Was it Ty Lue coaching that team or was it LeBron James coaching that team? In my opinion, that was LeBron James coaching that team. Ty Lue to me is the worst coach to win an NBA championship, hands down. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. I think Kawhi and, and the team is coaching this team. It's not Tyron. He should be fired for, you know, they the Clippers deserve this, for, for benching to try to stay away from the Lakers. And that just shows just you. Shows, it just shows you they were scared. Yeah, they were, and they were scared. They were afraid of the Lakers. People, didn't, it wasn't smart. It wasn't smart. No. I remember I was listening to Keys to the City and Ted and Trevor were arguing about this and saying, "Oh, and Ted's like, oh, the Clippers are smart. The Clippers are smart. They weren't smart to do this. They were afraid of the Lakers. They were scared. They played scared. And when you have a coach that's scared of another team, he needs to go. He needs to be fired. Get him out. Of, get him out. Yeah, he is. A, and that's he is, why. The, yeah, he's not a that's good coach. That's why the Clippers are always going to be stepped on by the Lakers. And that, and, and all that. they they always are. They're going to be Absolutely. the younger brother always. That, you know that's ridiculous. It, it's it's a total joke. It, it, you, you, it's just and again the math I take offense to like oh they want to tank the play us but you know let's go you know something. So that, that's ridiculous. I fired Tyron Lue for for letting the guys just tank down to, to get a four seed. You know again it's just it's an absolute joke and Lue, Lue deserves to get fired. The, the Clippers deserve to lose this game the, the, to the Mavericks. They deserve it. They, oh, they definitely do. Without, I know everyone wants to see L.A. versus L.A., but Clippers deserve to lose. Oh, without, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, here we go. Ty Lue will never be known for being a good coach. 
will forever be known for stepping getting to, yes he will be uh, that's uh, that's gonna be tyler tyler's memory getting stepped over. yeah game one of the finals getting stepped over by Allen iverson that's what tyler will be remembered for and then and then then you know doc rivers was able you know get, get to give him jobs as an assistant for years in the league and he got lucky when billy Vinny don't when uh when david black got fired he got the he got the job he Got the job in uh, with the Cavs and won a championship, which you know he's as I said he's the worst coach to to win an NBA championship. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 pathetic. And if they get swept, he's got to be fired. There's no way they they can keep Ty they can bring Ty Lue back if they get swept in this series. And my prediction right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. I had Clippers in seven to begin to, to begin the series. I'm going Mavericks in six at this at, right now. I'm going Mavericks five. I just think they're the better team right now, and I think I I don't think they're gonna have an answer. I don't think Tyron Lue is making any adjustments, and I think me the Clippers maybe steal Game Three, but I, I think that's about it. I'll take the Clippers. I mean the Mavericks are winning five games. Absolutely, absolutely. So Mavericks doing really well, and in my opinion, right now, I think we're gonna see the Mavericks in the conference finals against the Lakers. That's my prediction right now. I could see it, you know. Now, I want to see what the Jazz look like when they get Donovan Mitchell back, hopefully, and kind of see how they look. But right now, I can't argue with that. That, that was the conference finals. I could, I could see it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mavericks playing well. And uh, they've been playing. The thing is, they've been playing well ever since ever since February. The Mavericks have probably been one of the best teams in the NBA, and they've definitely been playing like it since February. So we'll see what ends up happening with them. But we got to get to a big game tonight in in New York City, and that's between the Hawks and the Knicks. And in Game One, you know, who, who knew there was another villain at Madison Square Garden? And, and uh, but I think there is now a new Reggie Miller. I think Trey Young is now replacing Reggie Miller at Madison Square Garden as he he hit that huge shot to win the game. He was he was outstanding in Game One for the Hawks. Had thirty two points. Uh, your your guy Bagdanovich, he. He was he was the guy who, who, who he was their second leading scorer. He had 18 points, four, four three pointers. Uh, the biggest reason why the Knicks stayed in the game was because of their bench. Their bench had 60 points, 60 bench points. If you want to count, consider Derrick Rose coming off the bench, I mean, you may want to just consider him a starter because he played 38 minutes and uh, and Alfred Payton only played eight minutes. So yeah, I, I mean, if you want to consider Derrick Rose a starter, that's fine. But the bench was a huge difference. Alex Burks was great off the bench with 27 points, and thank God they were great off the bench because. Julius Randle did not have his best game on Sunday, and he did R.J. Barrett. Randle had 15, Barrett had 14, but and the Knicks ended up losing by two points to, to the Hawks. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is going to be is Randle and Barrett have to bounce back. They have to bounce back in this in, tonight. And this is a must-win for the Knicks tonight. They lose this game. As a Knicks fan, I think they lose the series. I think this is an obvious must-win. They need Randle and Barrett to play well, especially Randle. Randle's got to play really well tonight for the Knicks to win. they got to – you know, find a way to contain Trey Young. He had 32. You got to contain him. Maybe he only scores, you know, 20 to 25 points. Contain him and, and get a must win. We know the Garden's going to be rocking. We know the Garden's going to be ready. And uh, I do think the Knicks even the series tonight. I still th- I still got the Knicks in seven. I think they even the series tonight. But the question for you, Justin, is can Randall bounce back and, and even the series and help the Knicks even the series? I think they will. I think Randall has gotten too far as a player to, to just kind of not – I think he's I think he's gonna do fine tonight. Uh, look, he's had an unbelievable year. He averaged I think thirty game against the Hawks. He's been great against them all year. I think Mio you know, again first playoff game for him. Again, none of these guys have really. Yeah, and I know he, even for the Hawks, they really have not been there either. But first game, Garden, you know, crowd. I think first year, first time too all year where it's the Knicks are expected to win. You know, the Knicks have kind of been the underdog all year. Nobody expected them to do anything. 
So I think there's some pressure on them. Again, first game, you know, under the bright lights. I think they'll be fine tonight. I think he's going to play much better. Look, and that's the thing, too. They lost by two points, and Barrett and Randall did not have good games. And you had a chance to win it, too. You had the ball, but, I, you know, 0.9 seconds left. So I think, too, for a Knicks fan, I think that's a great sign that your two best players were not great, and you still only lost by two. And that's what we were te- when we were texting with Jace. We were saying the same thing. If the, if, if the Knicks win this game, they could yeah. very easily. He was saying they could very easily sweep the series because Randall and Barrett were off, but they and they and they still almost won. Yeah, yeah, no, he, yeah, he was right about that. They, they definitely still can. You know, Burks was unbelievable. Derrick Rose, yeah, I don't know why he just doesn't start Rose at this point because Peyton just it just kind of you know because. Get but Rose maybe, in the flow of the but, game. But maybe because these he hasn't been starting Rose, Thibodeau hasn't been starting Rose all year. Maybe this is just something that works. Maybe it just works that he sits on the bench. Maybe it's just psychologically, I think that's just what just works right now. I think that's why he doesn't okay. start him. Okay, because it's just interesting because it's like, um, why don't you just get him into the flow of the game right from the beginning instead of making him sit for four minutes and then come in? I I kind of was thinking about that, but um, look, um, but yeah, Rose has been you know Rose is great, Burks is great. Um, again, just a tough loss. I think the blitz, I think we were talking about too. I just think they blitzed Trey Young too early. Um, and he was able to get by, you know, he's great. And he's definitely turned into that villain. Um, him and Altuve are like the two big, cause Yankee fans are still booing him. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, and, and, um, and here's, we got a comment from Hector Knicks. To me, the Knicks played too relaxed. Put Rose on Young and put ball pressure on the Hawks. Knicks win tonight. Great point. They, that's definitely what they got to do. They got, Knicks got to come out tonight. And say we're not losing this game. They got to they got to lock down on defense. Randall's got to come out and take over. Barrett's got to hit threes, and Reggie Bullock's got to step up. That was another issue in game to me in game in game one. Reggie Bullock didn't step up. Reggie Bullock steps up, hits some threes, puts some pressure on Trey Young, contain, contain him, and just come out knowing that this is no act like this is an elimination game. Act like you can't lose this game. And I feel like a Tom Thibodeau team coach team is going to do that. That's why I think the Knicks bounce back tonight. I have a really good feeling the Knicks will bounce back. Yeah, I think they will too. I think yeah, Tom Dibodeau, um, they've had too good of a year not to. I think they bounce back. I think Garden behind them. I think again they play play better. I think you've got that first playoff game under your belt. You've kind of seen it. It's not gonna phase you anymore. Yeah, I think they bounce back. And then actually like I want to mention too, even Obi Toppin, I know he played like 10 minutes, but he even made an impact. He made a nice couple of plays. Like he even made an impact in his 10 minutes. You know, um, he was kind of another guy to me. I felt played played well for because I he wasn't probably getting into the playoff rotation. So um, he even played better. But I think, yeah, the Knicks bounce back. They find a way tonight. Slow down Trey Young. Slow down Bogdanovich. Um, and I, I think the Knicks go to Atlanta tied at one. Yeah, I mean, it's a must-win game for the Knicks. And I'm really hoping they get it. I mean, obviously, as I've said, this is a very winnable series against the, against this Hawks team. And I, and, I, and I really hope they get it. So big one tonight. Must win for the must win for the Knicks. Your prediction the same, Knicks and seven. Mine mine is the same, Knicks and seven. Yeah, I got Knicks still in seven. Alrighty, so we'll see what happens with the Knicks tonight. Must win game, TNT seven thirty. So so uh, it, it should, should be great. But we got to get to the other New York team. And last night, I know they played the Celtics, and we know this was probably the biggest mismatch. And I said it in my article. Another thing I was right about in my article, I was right about a lot of things, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, LeBron and AD being the best player in the jazz series in the, in the uh, Suns Tiger series, uh, you know, Luke uh, KP and Hardaway having to step up for the Mavericks. But this is another thing I was right about. This is the biggest mismatch of the, of the first round. And, and, and it, and it showed last night. Then the funny thing about the nets is they won game run and shot 23% 
from three from three point range. Last night they shoot over fifty percent from three point range. Completely destroyed the Celtics. Tatum left the game. He got he got poked in the eye. Tatum left the game. It just it, it just shows you that th- that these teams are just not even close. Uh, the Nets split, the way they played last night. You know it was the Celtics, but the way they played last night, it looks like that they're going to be a very 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 difficult out in the Eastern Conference. And they, yeah, they 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 won they won they won big over the Celtics, one thirty to one one hundred eight. Uh, and two, there's two questions that come out of this, Justin. We'll quickly talk about this series. Is, is are the Nets right now the best team in the NBA? And how do the Celtics just avoid getting swept? Can they even take it? Can they even take a game in Boston? Yeah, um, I'll start right now. I, I think they are the best team right now. If they continue to play like they did in game number two. Game number one, the first half was a little iffy. They gave uh, the some chances. Justin, second, those guys barely played together. Those guys barely yeah, played no, together. No, I, yeah, I know. I'm just saying they were little. I'm saying like that was the Celtics. You know, the Celtics had a chance. Game, they, they had to kind of win that game to have any sort of chance. And and I thought they got better in the second half. I know they, they didn't shoot well. But look, if Joe Harris is going to go 7 for 10 from 3 and put up 25, nobody's beating them. Oh, Nobody. no. No, no. I, I think they are the best team. Yeah. As long as they stay healthy, again, they're just toying with the Celtics on, on defense. They're just toying with them. They, they, you know, Brad Stevens, this, this Celtics team has no answer for them. Can the Celtics win in Boston? I, I don't, I don't think so. Unless if Tatum can put up forty-five and Kemba can put up thirty, I, I just don't see it. And because I think, um, I just don't because I think. The only chance the Celtics have if they could keep the Nets under 115-ish, and I just don't see that happening unless if they're way off shooting-wise. But we saw it Saturday night, and they were still able to recover. They scored 104, and defense. You know, the Celtics didn't shoot well either Saturday night. Um, you know, the Nets played pretty well defensively, but um, I just, I just don't see it. Um, if if they had Brown, I'd say yes. I'd feel a lot better about it. But it's just Kemba and Tatum pretty much. And Kemba hasn't been great. He's struggled shooting-wise. You know, Tatum last night struggled. He only had nine points. I know, yeah, he got poked in the eye. He played 21 minutes, but he was three for 12. Um, Smart stepped up. Evan Fournier played well. Tristan Thompson played well again. But they just don't have enough pieces. I I just don't. I don't see it. No, especially without Jalen Brown. They don't have enough pieces. And really for the Celtics, the big question is, who gets held responsible for this? Is it Brad Stevens or is it Danny Ainge? Because I think one of those two, if they get swept and they get embarrassed, like they, if, they, if it looks like they didn't even belong in the playoffs, one of those two is going to have to go. In my opinion, I just think it's Brad Stevens. I just think they, they've kind of tuned him out. I don't think it's the same. I think he's, he's worn out his welcome in Boston. I think I, I, I give Ainge credit for, you know, drafting Tatum and Brown. Those those two top picks have hit. That's why I keep Ainge. I just think Brad Stevens, it, it, I think I think I think they've tuned him out. I think I think it's over. I think and I've said this for weeks. I think he wish he took I think he wish he took the Indiana job. And I think it's done. It's over. I think the Celtics need to move on from Brad Stevens. If they get embarrassed in the series, I think I think it's over for Brad Stevens. Yeah, it could be very possible. Because yeah, you know, I think you're right about tuning them out. Because look, their defense this year has just been awful. They've been really, really great under Brad Stevens, and that's kind of been his calling card: is defense. And they've been atrocious all year at it. You know, and they haven't got any better. They're giving up like I think forty. You know, teams are shooting forty percent against them from three. They've been top five. You know, his last five six years. So. I think it's very possible. The only thing I give Ainge um, criticism for is the Celtic bench last year has not been great. They, they, it's kind of been starter heavy. It feels like, you know. And I know, I know you don't really totally need a bench to win the NBA title, but you need a couple of pieces off the bench. 
you know, you need some guys around the star. Um, around the star guys. I think it's the only criticism I give them. But look, yeah, because the drafting of Tatum Brown has been great. It, it's kind of, you know, they just haven't filled enough around them. Kind of, um, again, I love Kemba, you know, the Max deal. I think Ke- Kemba is what Kemba is. He's a very good NBA player. He's not a great NBA player. And he's proved that in Boston. Yeah, he was the best player in Charlotte, but but he never even he got to the playoffs two out of his eight years that he was there. Tampa's a good player; he's just not a great player. I, I don't like saying that as a UConn fan, but that's that's the reality of the situation. Yeah, it is. You know, it it is, and you know, I know kind of too this year needs been being. I know he hasn't been able to play back to backs and all that, but yeah, he just he's a good player. He just he's not at the superstar caliber that they need to to. To get you know back to the finals, and he's just not that guy. Um, I I'd say, and I know you know it'd be tough, but I think if they could, they had any chance to get Bradley Beal, I'd probably put Jalen Brown in that package. But I think they need another shooter. Yeah, we'll so, see what. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with the Celtics in the offseason because we know they're going to be done in, in yeah. at, at max five games. So we'll see what ends up happening with the Celtics. We'll probably talk about that next week to see where the because they're a local team. We'll talk about where they have to move forward. Um, what they have to do in the offseason. But we got to get to another another series. And it looks like the Bucks and the Nets and the Bucks and the Bucks and the Nets are on a collision course to play. I know Jay, sorry if, if you're taking a little bit of time. I know I probably had the Wizards ahead of the ahead of the at the Wizards Sixers ahead, but I wanted to transition to the Bucks uh, and the and the Heat uh, right now. But uh, we got a comment from Hector too. Brooklyn will sweep Boston. However, I feel like Philly is still a better team. I disagree, Hector. I I, I the, the the problem yeah, here is is Philly does not have the, the star power that Brooklyn has. I know people say, oh, the playoffs, defense, 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 but this is becoming an offensive league in the NBA. And, yeah, I think Philly will may, may win a couple of games in that series, but I just don't think that Philly has the offensive power. Ben Simmons has not become the scorer people thought he was going to become. I like Tobias Harris, but he's not, uh, in terms of a player, he's not on the level of a of, – of, of a. Uh, of a, or even a, of a Kyrie Irving or even a, or, or James Harden or, or, or Kevin Durant. He's not on that level. The only player that's close to that level is Joel Embiid. And you know in, in the NBA, you don't want your center being your best player and winning a championship. So I respect that Hector – I respect I respect the opinion, but I disagree with it. I think that I, – I think that uh, I, I like – I would definitely like Brooklyn in that series if them and Philly played each other. Yeah, I have to. The way the Nets are playing right now, I think it'd be a really tough out for Philly. I definitely think Philly's going to win a couple of games. I think they can make it a very competitive series. I think Embiid could probably hold his own and maybe give him some problems. But I think they need, like, Tobias Harris at 37 the other day. I think they'd need that from him every night to have a chance. And I feel better, too, if Ben Simmons was a better shooter as well. If Ben, if Simmons, ben, if ben, Simmons, if ben Simmons can shoot. That's yeah. that's a team that I would think would be close. To, that, that would be really, really close to, to the Nets. If Ben Simmons could be a shooter, I think they would be really close to the Nets. I think the biggest mistake Philly made, and I'm going to keep saying this all postseason, is they didn't trade for James Harden. Because if you put you pair James Harden and Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you very easily could win the East. Biggest mistake, because it was between the Nets and Sixers with who was going to trade for James Harden. Biggest mistake in that series, biggest mistake the Sixers made was not, I'm going to say it all year when they don't get to the finals, the biggest mistake they made was not trading for James Harden. Totally. And I, you know, I said it too. Loyalty. You know, they had the loyalty to Ben Simmons, and that does not win you anything in the NBA. And, nope. And nope. Yeah. It's going to come back to haunt them. If yes. they do, in fact, have to place the Nets, it will come back. Yes. Yes. I, I think it's going to come back to Harlem when they face the Nets. But circling back to the uh, Heat and the Bucks, the uh, Bucks lead 2 0 over the Heat. Great game on Saturday. That game went to overtime. Uh, Chris Middleton hitting the big shot to win the game. And, but on, on, uh, on, on, on Monday night, the Bucks destroyed them, beat them by 30. 
And uh, I think the, the problem with the Heat right now is the, is a, Bam and Butler have not played well. They haven't played well. Bam and Butler haven't played well, and that's the biggest reason why they're down 0-2. The reason why they stayed in the game on Saturday was because Duncan Robinson and Gordon Dragic stepped up, stepped up, and that team shot 40% from three-point range as the Bucks shot 16% from three-point range. And then, and then, then last uh, the next game it was night and day. The Bucks shot much better from three-point range. He didn't shoot as well from three-point range. He got blown out. So. I think the problem in this series is that Giannis has complete Giannis and Middleton have outplayed Bam and uh, Jimmy Butler, and that's a big reason why I think the Bucks definitely win this series in, in, in at least six games. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends in five. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they got to step up because Jimmy Butler, we all thought he was easily a top 15, to 15 player last year in the bubble. Right now, he's definitely not playing like a top 15 player. But the question I got for you, Justin, is, I think it's a pretty obvious question, how do the Heat uh, get back into this series? Obviously, yes. Um, I know you mentioned Butler and, and, and um, Bam on a bio. They definitely do, so I won't go talk about them. I also think it's Tyler Hero that's got us up. He was great in the bubble last year. He's, I know he played 17 minutes on Monday. Five. They need to get him going as well. It, it gives them that another shooter because um, he was unbelievable in the bubble last year. If him and Duncan Robinson could hit shots, I think they could make this thing back um, to a very competitive series. But um, – Obviously, yeah, you know, they got to be able to hit shots. They got to be able to kind of play it through the set. You know, it, it's, you know, they're going to have to try to lock down Milwaukee defensively. And I just, you know, adding um, Drew Holiday's helped, um, you know, um, Pat um, Cotton Tribe or whatever, you know, um, and Cotton Forbes. Yeah, right, Forbes, yeah. Forbes played well and too. Forbes yeah. too. So. If the, if the Bucks get shooting like that and guys that just step up around, because that's been their problem last year. They haven't guys haven't stepped up around. Um, on yeah, because the because the, the problem with Giannis and why I don't think he's better than Curry, LeBron, or Durant is he doesn't shoot threes well. He does everything else great. If he developed a three point shot, you could arguably say he's the best player in the league. The problem is he doesn't shoot threes great, and that and that's I think the biggest reason why the Bucks can't get to where they want to get to. But yeah, if 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 but. The thing is, is if he can shoot threes, he's one of the best players in the league. But it also helps having all these shooters around him and having three-point shooting being better this year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely. You know, even his free throws too. I, I know he was six or seven um, Monday night would shot me, but Saturday he he could not. They got lucky too. He could not hit a free. Throw not hit a free throw down the stretch too. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 that's very concerning to me as well. But um, late in the game. But yeah, um, I just don't think that he are going to have enough offense. I think they're going to have to score with Milwaukee. I just don't think they have it. But Milwaukee, I love the killer instinct that they brought Monday night. I know they came out red hot, red hot but they, they came to, you know, they came out to have that. It, and I haven't seen that from Milwaukee either. They, they no. came out and they were going to blow them out. I haven't seen that from Milwaukee in the last two postseasons. I really haven't. I have not seen that from Milwaukee in the last two postseasons. So we're seeing something different where if, the, if it's, it's probably going to be them and the Nets in the second round, they could bring that into the second round. They got a chance to beat to knock off the Nets. They do. The way they're playing, the way they're shooting, I, I definitely think they do. I, I think they could. They got um well actually no, they gotta go to Brooklyn. Actually, they're the three. So if they can get a split going to going home for game three and four, I definitely could feel really, really good about the Bucks knocking them off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. But we'll talk about the last Eastern Conference series, and that's the Sixers and the Wizards. Sixers got the win on Sunday, 125-118. Joel Embiid had 30. Had, uh, had 30. Tobias Harris had a big game at 37. Uh, Westbrook had uh, had, had 18. Uh, uh, Beal had 33. 
I think the only way, though, for the Wizards to get back in the series is they got to shoot threes. And I think why I still think the Sixers win in five is that's just not that's just not Russell Westbrook's game. He's not going to do it. He's not going to change his game. He's not going to do it. He's not going to shoot threes like, you know, a great a great point guard would do. Not somebody who's just, you know, stat padding and getting triple doubles and can't win can't win big playoff series. Uh, so and, and Bradley Beal, he's I, he's got to be better. They got the the Wizards perimeter shooting. They got to they got to shoot more threes. Yeah, they were they they, they shot forty percent from three, but they only attempted twenty threes. They got to attempt more threes to win this series. That's the only way I feel like they win this series. And uh, and I think for the I think for the uh, for the Sixers, I still think Embiid's going to keep, keep playing well. I, and I and I even said with uh, with with them doubling Embiid in the post. And uh, Simmons penetrating that Harris and uh, and and Seth Curry are going to hit threes. And they did that in Game One, and I think and I think they continue it in this series. I think the Sixers win tonight, and I got the Sixers. You know, win it, still winning the series in five. But Justin, the question is: is is Russell Westbrook going to be more of a scorer tonight, and and will that help the Wizards even the series? And I, I think he'll be right around sixteen, somewhere around there. And I I, I obviously don't think that's going to be enough points because you said it. Yeah, you know they're going to have to double. Joe Embiid and they're the Phillies are they're gonna shoot threes and they're gonna hit him. And I don't think well Westbrook was over two. And then he's 17, he's seven for 17 on the floor. He didn't even shoot that well, also. You know, he only with the line two times is surprising. But yeah, I, I they they're gonna have to keep up scoring wise. And I don't think Russell Westbrook's gonna be able to hit enough shots for him. Um I don't think Beal is gonna have one of those 60 point outbursts again against the Sixers. Um and then bench wise, I you know, if Ish Smith can do it, um, but I think also too, with Ben Simmons on him too, it's you know, it's guy six ten, ten at six nine, six ten, whatever. How tall is him? Is it tough? You know, to be able to kind of score over him. Um, he you know, because Ben Ben Simmons is a really really good defender for his size. Um, I don't think Westbrook to be able to do much. I think he's going to struggle again and. I'm with you. I think maybe the I think the Wizards probably still win at home, but I'm kind of leaning me. This could be could be a sweep. I think the Wizards win one. I think you know I think they have enough scoring with Brad with Beal and Westbrook to get one game, but I just don't think they get they get any other any more than that. I mean the game one was competitive. They only lost by seven. Yeah, so well. yeah, so I think they, I think they get a game in the series. They just they I think they just don't have the, the perimeter perimeter shooting to win this series or the defense to win this series. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, defensively, they, they've been bad all year. You know, you got to be able to play some defense, especially if you're a team, as you said, they're not great shooting the ball, you know, three-point-wise. And that's how you're going to have to win the series because, you know, I know Embiid had a great game, but you're gonna you're obviously going to have to keep doubling. I mean, it's just going to open things up for them. And, I yeah, I if they win one game, it's because they get red hot and they hit just a ton of threes. I could see it. Um, yeah, still win a Washington, but – Obviously, nothing more than that. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough. It's obviously going to be tough for the way that they they keep it competitive, but they just they don't have enough. Um, after Beal, you know Westbrook, they just don't have any big time scores after that. And yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got the moment Jace Garcia has been waiting for. We are going to talk about the Utah Jazz, Jazz who trail. The Memphis Grizzlies won nothing in the in the best of seven series. Uh, Memphis winning Sunday night, one twelve to one hundred nine. We talked to Jace before the show. I talked to Jace before the show. He says he doesn't have a lot of concern about the Utah Jazz. I do. I think the Donovan Mitchell situation was weird. I thought, you know, 
Yeah. He, he they said he was going to play, then he wasn't going to play. Now he's back playing. He's he, he started training with another trainer, not the team trainer, after he signed a big deal with the Jazz in the offseason. So this Donovan Mitchell situation is weird. So I do think this could affect the Jazz in this series and very easily could affect the Jazz next series when they play the Mavericks. But, yeah, I I, I, I do think the Jazz are, are the better team. And I think the, 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 and the, I think the thing is in the series, Memphis, they're a they're a very good team, but they struggle again. Morant, their best player, is a guy who drives the ball to the basket. He doesn't shoot three point shots, and I think eventually that's going to catch up to a team that struggles shooting threes uh, for most of the game for most of game one. But you saw them get hot late in game two, and I think they carry that. I think the Jazz carry that momentum into game two with Mitchell back. They carry that momentum. They win game two. They take at least a game. They take at least a game in Memphis. I I, I mean I had them in five. I'm going to take them in six. But I, even with the Donovan Mitchell drama, I still got the Jazz winning the series. Two questions for you, Justin. Do you still have the Jazz winning the series after the game one loss? And with Mitchell back, do they even the series tonight? Yeah. Um, so I do think that I do, I do still feel good about the Jazz. I think the Grizzlies still one more at home. So I think Jazz do finish this thing out with six games. Um, I think they do bounce back. Yes, you, you're, you know, you're right. They played better in the second half. Um, but again, it's a team that lives and dies by the three and you shoot 25%, especially in this league, you're not beating anybody, you know, you're, you're not beating, you know, OKC, right. Or, you know, you're not being any tank or tank team that's tanking. Um, the cause Memphis didn't shoot, you know, Memphis did not shoot the ball great either. They, you know, um, you know, they kind of got off the uh, run in there in the second quarter. Cause you know, the Jazz what, missed like eight or nine shots in a row. Like, they took advantage of it, and yeah, the Jazz had a great, um, you know, try coming back. They had some chances. They couldn't finish it. With with Mitchell coming back, will be interesting to see because it's been about a month now since he's been out. So, uh, takes him to get ready. It was a weird situation that he didn't play. Um, after yeah, you know, especially being in the playoffs now, and I know you're the one team you could probably afford to lose it. You know, you could probably you know, win him out, but. You kind of want them to start gelling now to get ready. You know, you hope you get by the by the Grizzlies and get them going for the second round. But I think he comes back. I think he plays well. I think Jordan Clarkson bounced back too. He was 0 for 8, and he's been great all year. I think he has a better game. Um, um, Bogdanovich had 20 to 29 in the fourth quarter. He shot the ball well. He started to get hot too in the second half. So, you know, for a week off, for a team that relies a lot on three ball, they started to play a little bit better especially shooting wise in the second half. So I do feel good about the jazz tonight. Yeah, I do too. I think they, I think it's a must win game. I think the jazz get it done. I think, I think they win the series now going forward. I don't like the jazz. I don't because, because say they get into a series with, with Dallas, uh, Luka Doncic is better than Donovan Mitchell. And there's no debate about it. Luka Doncic is a better player than Donovan Mitchell and the way Tim Hardaway has been playing. Uh, I, 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 he's been playing really well. I, and, and, and the coaching, I like, I like Rick Carlisle better than, better than like a Quinn Snyder. So I don't like them in the next series. And even if they, and even if they somehow get to the conference finals against the Lakers, I, I, I don't like them there either. So I, I like the jazz to win this series, but I don't like the jazz going forward. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be tough. Yeah. Coming with the way the Mavericks are playing right now, it's going to be a very, very tough series. Um, I, I gotta, you know, for me, I could see it either way. I want to see how Mitchell looks coming back tonight before I kind of make that assessment. Cause if he comes on, and he looks like, and he's lights out. Um, and the Jazz look great. I probably would pick the pick the Jazz, but the way the way the Mavericks are playing right now, the way Luka Doncic is playing, yeah, he's going to be tough to stop. It's going to be tough to stop that Mavericks team. Um, which, yeah, then I obviously I could see the Mavericks winning, but 
it, you know, even like Jalen Brunson, again, he had what 15? Like again, he's, been, he's another guy. He's been so off good the off the bench. He's been so good off yeah. the bench for them, yeah. And yeah, I think that's one thing that could hurt the Jets. They have Clarkson. They have they have a lot of solid kind of pieces. Yeah, they don't have another superstar, but they have a lot of so- solid pieces around. Um, but it, you know, it's one of those things too. The Jazz get hot. They're going to be tough to beat. I think it'd be, it's going to be a very, very high-scoring um, series where it's, you know, last team with the ball is probably going to win that game. But um, I, I go back and forth. But the, at the moment, because I've seen the Mavs twice fully healthy, I'd probably take the Mavs right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they, if they meet up in the, in the second round and see what happens between those two teams. But we'll wrap up our, the NBA, our NBA talk talking about the uh, Blazers and the Nuggets. And I really, you know – yeah, it came down to these two things for me. It, it re- because if you look at the two the two best players on each teams, Lillard and McCollum did their things thing in game one and two. I mean, Lillard had thirty four in game one, forty two in, in game two. McCollum had twenty one in both in both games. Uh, you look at you look at the at, at, I mean the, for the Blazers. You look at the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic had thirty four in game one, and he had thirty eight in game two. Porter Jr. had twenty five in game one and eighteen in game two. So those guys did their thing. The biggest difference to me. Was was the the bench in in, in game one the uh, the the Blazers outscored the Nuggets bench thirty four to twenty and they won the game one twenty three to one oh nine see where see where my point is going now and, and they got big contributions from Melo and Simmons those guys were a combined eight for thirteen from three point range and, and they had thirty four bench points and they had thirty two of those thirty four bench points so 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 Simons and Melo played really really well off the bench in 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 game in game one. But in game two, it was a different story. And it wasn't done by three-point shooting. It was done by getting to the basket. Uh, Paul Millsap and, uh, and and Monte Morris, had fi- uh, Millsap had 15, Morris had 12, and Mello and Sim- Simmons didn't even have close to the games they had in game one. And the, and the Nuggets outscored the Blazers 38-21, uh, th- to 21, and they won the game 128-109. to So see how the bench actually made a humongous difference in, in, in both games? So, but... I do think being at home, the mellow, mellow coming off the bench, I think that's going to make a big difference. I think the Blazers' bench is going to be the difference, and that's why. And I do think McCollum is going to play a little bit, going to end up outplaying Michael Porter Jr. And that's why I still got the Blazers winning this series in six games. Justin, do you have the same prediction? Do you have the same prediction? You said Blazers in seven, right? Yes, I believe. Yeah. Do you still have the same prediction of Do you still have the same prediction of Blazers in seven? Yeah, right now I still have the same prediction. I I got Blazers in six at the moment. Um, yeah, game one they looked the Blazers. Yeah, the bench, the bench was a difference. Um, yeah, you said it. Um, and you know, you know, and so for me as well in game two, well, actually in both game two, you know, the Nuggets they got to do a better job of coming off the screen. They have to go over the top. They cannot go under screen with Damian Lillard because yeah, he had nine threes in game yeah. two. Yeah, that that second quarter, especially where he had what five in a row, and they were deep too, like very very deep three. They gotta you know they gotta do a better job of guarding them. Um, they they can't you know even like CJ McCollum. I know he went nine for twelve. He shot nine for you know he only took three threes. Though. I if he took some more shots, um, if he played thirty minutes, maybe the Blazers have a better chance. I think this yeah gonna be. Back and forth. I think the Blazers take a couple here at home. I think they go up 3-1 going back to Denver. Because, um, yeah, I think Carmelo is going to play better off the bench tonight. I think, you know, um, Simmons as well is going to play better off, off the bench. 
And I think they're able to do enough because, again, kind of like what they have to do in B, you've got to double him. And, it, and if Gordon, it, you know, I know Gordon only took two threes, but he hit both of them. Porter shot 50%. You know, um, Capizzario fit, shot 50%. Like, it, it got, if the Nuggets could kind of spread the floor out and be able to knock down jumpers, I could see the Nuggets win the series. I just don't know how many, especially because I know it's easier in Denver too because of the altitude that, you know, for I forget why for the shots falling, but I know it's going to be different in Portland. So if they knock down shots, I could I, I can definitely see Denver um, winning the series. I just don't know if they can consistently do that because, you know, Gordon's not great. Um, you know, Rivers was two for three. Cabezario is not great, but um, – they get enough. I think Denver could knock them off, but I think the bench. I think the bench for Portland's going to play better tonight. Yeah, uh, I mean, they play Thursday's game. Three. Oh, sorry, my bad. Got no problem. But but the thing is, is Murray, Murray's obviously going to be the difference. I know Murray isn't as good as Jokic, but he'll be the difference because he's that third guy. He's that, and he would have been that easily that second guy you could depend on, just like with 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 the like like the Blazers game with, with McCollum. He's that second guy you would have been easily able to depend on for the for the Nuggets. So I think that obviously Jamal Murray is the difference in the series. And that's why I still think the Blazers win the series. Yeah, uh, I'm agreeing with you. Losing Murray Hurts, we saw what he did last year in the bubble. He's was, he was terrific. He's having another really good season this year. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate for the Nuggets. I would love to see him make a run, but without Murray, it's, it's obviously going to be tough. Um, but going up against Lillard and McCall, just two great players. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the NBA playoffs, and we'll be talking about it all week, and we'll definitely be talking about it next week on this podcast. But we had another no-hitter in Major League Baseball, and, and this time it was, it was from one of our local teams. We'll talk about that next after a promo from Clovercrest Media. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. That is Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11 o'clock, so... Definitely be listening, you know, with the with the way the AL East is, with the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox all really close to each other. You definitely want to be listening to it uh, this week. Uh, listen to Tyler and Noah on Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11. But we had another no-hitter in Major League Baseball last week, and that was with, unfortunately, he got he got hurt uh, le- le- yes, last night. But Corey Kluber throws a no-hitter against the Texas Rangers. I mean, a great accomplishment. And then that started a huge, huge week for the Yankees pitching staff. You had the next day, Herman goes out, throws seven innings, no earned runs. Montgomery, seven innings, no earned runs. Cole, seven innings, no earned runs. And then, yeah, even Tyone, five innings, no earned runs. So right now, Yankees in third, only a game back in the AL East. Their pitching has been really good. Glaber Torres has stepped up. I think if they can get Stanton back and they can get Void healthy, I think right now, I think this team is going to be right there with Tampa. I think, I think right now, and we'll get to Tampa, this is going to be a neck-and-neck neck race with Tampa and the Yankees. We'll talk about the Red Sox later, but I th- and I think they might fade. I think they're going to eventually fade fade come you know June and and July because they haven't they haven't played the Red Sox haven't played the Yankees yet. But but I think the Yankees right now, if they can just get these bats going, this team to me is right there with the Rays with being the top team in the American League because they swept the White Sox this weekend. And I and I don't want to hear about the injuries for the White Sox. Yeah, you know, because Jimenez hasn't played all year, and Roberts been has been out for a while too. So I don't want to hear about the White Sox injuries. The Yankees did a great job this weekend 
getting that three-game sweep over the White Sox. And if these bats just get get clicking, I think this team is really going to take off in, in the coming months. Totally. Um, it, it totally will. Um, you know, even Clint, I, he had five, he's had five hits now his last two games. Hopefully that jumpstart him because he's been awful this year. He, he's been awful. And um, tech, and character. Everything is bigger in Texas, LOL. Even a no-hitter at Globe Life Park. Two no, two no-hitters. Uh, yeah, Joe Musgrove back in April, and then you had uh, you had you had uh, you had uh, Corey Kluber throwing another no-hitter. Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas already. Two no-hitters at Globe Life Field, and they hosted the World Series last year too, yeah. without the Rangers being in it. So they had a World <laughs> Series. They had a World Series they hosted with, even without their team and two no-hitters. So a lot of big things happening at the beginning at the Globe Life Park. This is only mm-hmm. the second year. And a ton of big things happening at that new stadium in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, only only good things to come with for Ranger fans. Hopefully, one of the memories will be good uh, eventually. But yeah, I think we might have lost Bob Justin. What did you say, Justin? It was, it was bobblehead. Um, bobblehead night for Corey Kluber. As yeah, the, last one. <laughs> the, the, the big re- the big reason for that was because Kluber played on the Rangers. Yeah. Got and he got hurt in the first yeah. game, and I think he was out for the year last year. Yep. So that's why it was by and they, and they weren't able to they weren't able to give him away. So they gave him away. <laughs> on, on bobblehead night, and then he throws a no hitter. Yeah, so that was kind of ironic. That was kind of cool, but uh, he was great. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen anything on the MRA yet, so hopefully, positive news. Um, actually, I do have one small Yankee note. Very local news here. The yes. Reds DFA'd uh, Sal Romano. Yes, yes. Him up. You did see that? Okay. Oh, funny thing is, Sal Romano graduated from my high school. Yeah, he okay. graduated yeah, two, year, two years after me in 2011. Uh, I, I know him personally. I got his number and everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's a really good, really, really good guy. Big, big shout out to him. And he actually grew up a Yankee fan, so it's probably a dream come true playing for the Yankees. And and yeah, he did a really good job with the Reds. I mean, he survived there for a while. I mean, Sean knows who he is. Sean, Sean watched him too. One of our listeners, Sean Scanlon, he's he's watched him too. Sal Romano, he was a he was a he, he was a you know, he, played, he he pitched out of the bullpen for the Reds. He started a little bit at the beginning of his career. He pitched out of the yeah. bullpen for the Reds. He did did a really good job at the Reds, and I'm happy that he signed a minor league deal with the Yankees and hoping to get up to the big squad. I, I'm I would be really really happy if Sal can get up to the big squad because this is definitely his dream. In my opinion, this is his dream playing for the Yankees. I mean, I think he he grew up in New York. Um, I think moved to Connecticut, and now. Him playing for the him, him him signing with the Yankees really really I'm really excited that he that, that that he signed with the Yankees I know him personally he knows me by name so that's yeah. really that's really fun that that, that, that he's that he's going to be that he's on the Yankees right now yeah that's nice I think my uncle grew up with his father like they're really good friends I haven't met him but um I know they're really good friends with his father so kind of I saw him have somewhat of a little know him a little kind of I guess but um or family connection but um. Yeah, so yeah, it was cool when I saw that. I know I looked; he's not in the forty man yet, but again, me, you know, who knows? You know, Yankee injuries. Who knows? But yeah, hopefully, he can get get a chance to come up. But um, yeah, going back to current Yankees, it, the bat, yeah, the bats can get going. glaber has been great since coming off COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, five or six RBIs against the White Sox last weekend. Um, I guess you could been showing. I know he had a home run last night, but yeah. it's the bats, and I do worry about the arms still because. Three of those guys, you know, Herman didn't pitch because of suspension last year. Kluber pitched one inning. Tyone hasn't pitched in, you know, two years. Or, you know, so I worry when those did, when we get to kind of now in June and July. I know you're going to get Seve back hopefully in July, but I worry if, if these guys' arms aren't going to be able to kind of – they're probably going to have to start whole, probably skipping starts, and, and maybe that's when Sal gets a chance if they start skipping some starts and trying to get some guys up here. But, um, you know – I, I, I worry because look, if Kluber can get help, if Kluber can be, you know, if Kluber's okay, hopefully, 
if him and Cole can be the one-two guy in the postseason, even Herman, that changeup since coming back to the alternate side has been unbelievable. Again, they're going to be tough. But, yeah, it's hopefully Sant can come back. I know Luke Voigt um, has kind of been struggling. Um, he may not be in the trip, I guess, to Detroit this weekend because I guess um, his wife's supposed to go into labor Friday night. So he may not be uh, with the team this weekend. But So hopefully he can get going. Uh, you know, LeMahieu, I don't – because I know he just had a kid last night. He, you know, so – um, your kid born last night. So I don't know if he's going to be back in the lineup tonight or not, but it's a bad, and you would never thought that it would be the bath would be the issue. And that, that's been the problem. And um, again, you, you think at some point they start all kind of going, but when it's been almost two months. I know, but I do feel that if you get Voight going, standing back, Torres continues to do what he's doing with, with judge and the way your shell is hitting. I feel like this thing's going to come together. They are going to start scoring runs. They're going to start, they're going to score, start scoring runs. I think they're going to go on a, on a big streak. I think they're going to win a lot of games in June and July. I feel like they're going to score, start scoring a lot of runs and really, and really, you know, separate themselves from the Red Sox and stay head to head with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, hopefully, you know, and, and I know the Rays come in for four next week, so that that could be a huge four games. So you're hoping the bats can get going that series. So that that'd be great. But you know, I know they have Detroit, so maybe you get Detroit, a team that has absolutely no pitching and, and get a A roster. Maybe that gets them going, you know. But yeah, you're right. If they all, if guys just start clicking right at the same time, and the pitching kind of just again, I take five or six things, especially because the bullpen's been so well rested. I know last night they, you know, King gave them three or four innings, but if they, you know, the bats start clicking, the pitching kind of just does enough. Then yeah, they're they're in great shape and they they should have no problems winning the AL East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll 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 see about that. I think Tampa's playing really well, so we'll see about yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. first, we'll look at the road ahead. And uh, tonight, you got your mom pitching against the Blue Jays. You got Montgomery pitching against Ray on Thursday. I think I think they take two out of three. And then you got Detroit. I think they sweep Detroit. And then the big series is as it's going to be on. It's going to be it's going to be after Memorial Day. It's a big big series for the Yankees. They've already played the Rays. Uh, I think think they played the Rays. Set, uh, more than that, no, I think yeah, they played no, about. I think, yeah. I think they played like ten times. They played like nine yeah, times, nine and the Rays and the Rays have beaten them probably six. I think they've beaten them six out of six out of nine times. So this is a big, big series for for, for the Yankees as as they got a. Uh, we got we got uh, Herman against uh, Rich Hill, who's not pitched that badly. Got a got a got a good matchup with uh, Glassnow against Montgomery, Cole against uh, McCallahan, and we got Tyone against Waka. I want three out of four. I want three out of four. Yeah. I feel like you know we're a better team in the we're better we're a better team this year than the Rays. The Rays don't have Charlie Morton. They don't have a uh, they don't have Blake Snell. And Rich Hill has pitched pretty well pretty well. And we know Glass now is great, but the Yankees are the better team this year. And I think they got to they got to start beating the Rays. I shit Yankee Stadium. They got to start beating them there. And I and I and I, and I want them taking three out of four against against the Rays. So I got them taking the next two. It's sweeping the Tigers. Sweeping 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 the Tigers. I got I, I got them winning. Seven out of seven out of the next uh, seven out of the next eight games, I got them winning, and I seven, and I think that's very possible. I think it is. I'll, I'll take six of the next eight. Um, again, we usually was tough to hit, and Rich uh, Rich Hill, I know, dominated him a few weeks ago when they played at the Tropicana. I think he pitched really well against them. Yeah, it, it, look, at some point, you're better than the Rays. You you know the Rays are so confident against against the Yankees that again, at some point, you ha- you have to start fighting back and beating them because. You can't keep, keep getting beat by this team. You, you just can't. And you got to take advantage of four-game series at Yankee Stadium. You got to take advantage. And I hope they better win three out of four. 
Especially yeah, with Boston yeah. coming next weekend. Or Absolutely. Weekend after. It's a huge, huge weekend for the Yankees. Huge weekend, huge week at home. You got the Rays and you got the Sox. So they want to, they, they want to, you know, really uh, get, uh, yeah, uh, to build a cushion. This AL East next week is is the week to do it. But we got so we were talking about the Rays. We got to get to the Rays, who just had their winning streak snap last night, winning. Uh, but they did win eleven straight games. Right now, thirty and twenty. They've taken over. They've they've gone ahead of the Red Sox in first place in the AL East. I mean, obviously, Tyler Glass now has had a good year. Rosarina's been red hot. They got a great bullpen, and that's been a big reason why they've had so much success. Great manager in Kevin Cash. I think right now, Kevin Cash to me is the best manager in baseball. To me, he's the best manager in baseball. He always gets a ton out of of this Rays team. He's an outstanding manager. Uh, so, so, and, and, and we thought this year, maybe the Rays would, you know, fall off a little bit. They just keep going. They just keep going. And right now I think they got the best, I, I think got the best record in the AL. They're in first place in the AL East. And I'll ask you this question. Are the Rays the best team in the American league again? I don't think so. I still think it's the Yankees next week's going to tell. I still think it's the Yankees, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Rays head back to the world series, just because of the culture that Kevin Cash has created, created there. Yeah. Um, uh- him, yeah, I'd probably put him number one. I think Bob Melvin, but my, Bob Melvin hasn't taken the easy World Series. Of course, you like Bob Melvin. He's in a small market. Yeah, that that he always does a great job with those A's. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're always good. But right now, I think the Yankees are still a little bit better than them. And again, the race—they just trade—they traded Willie Adams away. They're starting shortstop, and again, it, it hasn't even affected them yet. It, you know, they bring up Taylor Walls, who hasn't done terrible, but again, you know, rookie shortstop. Um, I know they have they have like eleven arm you know bullpen arms right now in the IL, so I know they got help, but I, I still think the Yankees are a bit better than them. But obviously, yeah, next week's gonna tell. This lineup, it, it was a lineup for a while that was really struggling, and they're at one point they were averaging like nine runs, a, you know, um, a game during the eleven game winning streak. Again, and then I think they, you know, they lost a tough one last night, but you come off such an emotional. Um, you know, win against Toronto, you know, for three, you know, four wins against Toronto, you kind of come back home and you face a Royals team that's struggling, kind of a letdown last night. Richard pitched really well, but um, I, I think the Yankees are still a tad better than them, but it's close. And yeah, next week's going to tell. And the Rays, the last two years, have dominated the Yankees. They're not afraid of them. They're not going to be afraid to come to Yankee Stadium. Um, they're not, you know, so they're, you know, I expect them to play well, but um, I, I think, you know, I think the Yankees still, they're better. If they're fully healthy, the Yankees are fully healthy and they're playing well, the Yankees are still the better team in the race. Yes, I agree. I agree. But we'll talk about a team that's competing with the Yankees and Rays, and that's the Red Sox. The Red Sox are still there. They're only a half game behind They're only a half game behind the Rays in first place in the AL East. They have lost two in a row, though. They lost to the Phillies on Sunday. They lost to the Braves last night. So I, I think Alex Cora is a really good manager. I just don't feel like this team – I think the starting – I don't feel like the starting pitcher is going to hold up. Eduardo Rodriguez has needed to step up, and he really hasn't. He didn't pitch well on Sunday. And uh, the bullpen, the bridge to Matt Barnes, and even the lineup – even the lineup has been phenomenal. It's been the biggest reason why the Red Sox are where they are. J.D. Martinez has been phenomenal this year. Hit that three-run home run, that huge three-run home run Thursday night. That was humongous mm. against the Blue Jays. That was – did you work that game? Oh, yeah. You worked it. How were how the announcers? Oh, God, they're going crazy. Yeah, JD, he had that humongous home run again against the Blue Jays, and Blue Jays don't have a closer. They don't have a bull. That's the problem with them. That's that's why they're the fourth best team in the division. They could swing at the Blue Jays, but they 
But but yeah. the, the reason why they they lost five out of six to the to the Red Sox in the race at home was because of their because their bullpen and they don't have starting pitching depth. So and I looked at the Yankees last night, but they don't have starting pitching depth and their bullpen is not good. So yeah, and that's why they're the fourth best team in my opinion in the division. But I I think the thing about the Red Sox is three four five combo the three four five hitters Bogarts. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Bogarts, JD, and Devers. This has got to be the best three, four, five this year. No, but nobody this year has been better. Has been as productive as they've been. No one has been as productive. But I just feel like this rotation is not going to hold up. I don't know what their plan is with Chris Sale, and I just thought the bridge to Matt Barnes is could could end up being an issue. They're going to have to get a to, to compete. I think they're going to they need they'll need another starter at the deadline, and they'll need another reliever at the deadline if they want to compete for the AL East. Yeah. No. Um... It's definitely yeah that lot those three big three they they've been great all year. Um, it's you know those are the three guys. I know Vasquez is always up and down. Frenchy Cordero hit an absolute I think four eighty on Sunday. I think it one nineteen off the bat or something. He, he he absolutely destroyed one off of Zach Wheeler. But um again yeah it's kind of been inconsistency out of that. Actually um Kike Hernandez been a little bit better since coming off the IL. He's starting to kind of get it going, but still. I think they still need more out of them. Um, but, yeah, it's it's the bridge. It's to get the Barnes. You know, we know Adovino is kind of up and down. Um, Sal Moore, the guy they got from Japan, is really struggling. Um, they wanted to throw more got more pitches up, you know, more fastballs upstairs, but he's just afraid to do it, you know. Um, Whitlock's starting to struggle, too, now. He's starting to kind of show some warts out there, so. It's, you know, they, they got to find, you know, a couple more pieces. Sale, I think they're not rushing him. Like, I think probably July. I think he's going to start a throwing program, actually. I think it's in late May. So, probably very soon he's going to start throwing off a mound. So, again, I think July, though, they're not going to rush him. I think I think Alice Corden know and the staff know that um, – that they still are a couple pieces away this year and they're not going to really rush again. And I think they're more of the, okay, if we kind of get to the playoffs, great. If not, we'll be back next year. I think they kind of just want to be competitive and just show the fan base um, that I think they just, they just want to give the fan base a competitive team this summer. And obviously I think it's what they get, but then at Fenway this year, they're 13 and 13. And since that oh, that 2018 World Series, they've really struggled at Fenway. Here's the difference, I, though: they're going to start getting a lot of fans into Fenway, and that 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 could change things. I mean, that, that could definitely change could. once they start even, getting some fans into Fenway. Even 19, I think they finished right at 500. At oh, home. really? It's been oh, the wow. last few years. Last year they didn't. You know, last year money. doesn't matter because they had no fans in the state. Oh, yeah, but still, it's just been it's kind of been like the last three. They just haven't won at home, and even at Al Court, kind of dressed it like, yeah, we you know we have to play better at Fenway, and I don't know what it is. Troy Morin, I think last night sat down 17 of the final 18 hitters. He looked terrible the first two innings and then settled in and, and was great. But um, Sunday they kind of punted one away, kind of giving some guys some days off. But look, yeah, this team's going to be competitive. It's going to be the bullpen and Eduardo oh, Rodriguez. Yeah, he showed up Sunday. Um, it was a cutter Sunday, just was not great. Um, gave up four runs in the first. It kind of settled down after, but it's still command wise was not great. So. Pavetta's going tonight. We've been he's been really good, but you know they they need they want them too again because they've been getting like five six innings. They want them to go deeper. All these guys and I just don't know you know if they're going to be able to do that. Look at where the Red Sox are right now. I think they're the third best team in the AL East. I think they could end up being better than you know the Indians and so and then I think they're I think they're not as good as the Astros. I right now I still think they can get that second wild card. 
But for them to secure that second wild card, they get the, uh, like I said earlier, they need two things. They need another starting pitcher and they need another arm in that bullpen. And if they and maybe maybe even a true leadoff hitter, but I think that's a little bit too much yeah. to ask. I think the lineup's fine. But if they can get one of those two things, I think there's a good chance that the Red Sox can make the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, if they can get that seventh, eighth inning guy, because Adovino's been up and down. We know Adovino. So he Thursday, I think it was, he was great. I think it was Thursday or Friday or Saturday. It was one of those three days. He was he was great. I think he struck out three guys. And, and again, it was great. Again, when we know somehow he's, he, he, he can't throw a strike. So, again, he's always, you know, up and down. Yeah, if they can get, add another guy for the se- seventh, eighth inning, another starter, even if it's, you know, Chris Sale just coming back in July and looking – somewhat like himself or just kind of adding some veteran, you know, that team's given away. I think, yeah, it, it will help the Red Sox. Um, and yeah, I think they'll, I think they do those things. They would be a wild card team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We look at the road ahead for the Red Sox. They got, you know, they got, uh, they got another game with Atlanta. They got, uh, they got, they got two, two at home with the Marlins and then they got a big series against four games with the Astros. So I think they might fall off a little bit. I think they could lose to Atlanta tonight. I do think they take two out of three from the Marlins, but I think they lose three out of four to the Astros. I think they fall off a little bit. I think by the time they come to Yankee stadium, I think they're going to be in third place. I could see it. Yeah. It's going to, it's a tough road. Miami's going to come in tough. And then after New York, they, the Astros come back. So oh, wow. the next few weeks for the Red Sox, are, it's going to be, it's going to be the true sign of, you know, what this Red Sox team is. I think we're going to really find out. Yeah, I think they should be able to take two out of three out of Miami. They may get the split tonight because it's Pavetta going and Smiley's, Smiley's ERA is like in the five. So they probably get tonight. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough few. Actually, last thing, too. Actually, Pablo Sandoval got a round uh, booing session uh, last night as well. Did not get a warm welcome. Oh, no. First th- oh, no, no. I didn't expect that. No, no, no. His first, first three-hit game, too, since 2019. So, uh, oh, wow. You gave him a nice uh, – showed up quite well last night. But um, it's a big few weeks of the Red Sox. It absolutely is. absolutely is. So next week we'll be talking all Sox and Yankees next week because they play their first series at Yankee Stadium, three games set. So we'll be previewing that series next week. But we got to wrap the show talking about the NHL playoffs, and we could potentially get a New York versus Boston matchup. Mm-hmm. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. I'm crossed up by Kobe. We'll float in Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. It's fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. That is Keys to the City. Make sure you listen to them on Friday. They'll be talking Yankees. They'll be talking Julio Jones, and they'll be talking uh, and they'll be talking NBA playoffs. So make sure you listen to Ted, Trevor, and Joe Friday for Keys to the City. But we got to wrap up talking uh, NHL and the Bruins advance to the second round of the playoffs, uh, beating the Capitals four games to one. Now, with this Bruins win over the Capitals. Does this feel like 2011, 2013, 2019, where they can make a run to the Stanley Cup? I yeah, since adding Taylor Hall, um, Riley, and, and uh, Carlos Lazard, I their offense have been better. They kind of gelled and Tuka Rask, you know, really settled in against um, Sunday night. They were the Bruins out shot twenty to four in the second period, but they but two or two of the four shots Bruins had were goals. Tuka didn't allow one. He played really well, you know, in this series. I felt like 
The, I feel like that Bruins offense has been better. Um, I think they did a pretty good job in the action in that top line. The first line kind of got going two after game one. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought that was going to be a grinded out. I thought it would go definitely six or seven games. But the Bruins kind of um, were able to take take some chances and, and were able to get out um, in five games to beat the Capitals. I think it's a team that can make a run. Tampa looks good. Um, Carolina actually – or no, yeah, Carolina looked um, or they probably should have lost last night. They got away, but they're they're up three two as a one seed against um Nashville. But um, I, again, I think it's you know them in Tampa. I think Tampa has the best chance right now to knock them off. I think that'd be a really great Eastern Conference Finals. But um, I the Bruins the Bruins right now are one of the favorites. I feel like to make a run here to get out of the Eastern Conference. And they got so much experience too. So many guys have been there before. You know, with with, with Brad Marchand, with uh, with uh, with with Tuka Rask as the goalie. So they have just so much. So, they have guys who've been there before. That's why I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Bruins in another cup. No, me neither. Yeah, me neither. You know, I mean, I hate um, to say it, I don't want to see you know another Boston team win a championship, but I, <laughs> from seeing what's happening, I wouldn't be surprised. No, me neither. Yeah, it's experience. You know, um, I don't Hall doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. I don't think Riley does either. You know, Pasternak's been there in 19. I know he's only 25. Um, yeah, Bergeron. Like, yeah, they have a lot of veteran leadership in that Bruins team. And, you know, that court definitely can make another run. You know, I know 19 was a sore, sore taste in the mouth. You lost game seven on home ice. And, again, you know, Bennington was unbelievable. Yeah, I give him all the credit in the world. But I thought the Bruins could have played better. And, you know, I think that core would love one more shot at it. And, again, I, you know, I don't know if the Tuca silence is coming down just because of the way I felt like he really played back into that series. But, you know, they, again, a lot of people don't think Tuca is the goalie to win one. And if Tuca can do it and prove the whole town of Boston wrong, I think it'd be, you know, great for him. Yeah, let's not forget Tuca did not win that cup in 2011. Yeah. That was Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas got red hot in that, in that cup run. Even though Tuca's been the much better goalie overall, Tim Thomas was the one who got red hot in that cup run in 2011. Yeah, he did. And, yeah, and I think, you know, um, they expect him to be the um, – they expect him to be the, the Tim Thomas. Um, the Jason Conn, I like the Bruins, but you are – Okay, here we go. I like the Bruins, but whoever comes out of the uh, – coming here to the slaughter, the real Stanley Cup is going to be the uh, the uh, Avalanche yeah, and the Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean, listen, I have not – Admittingly, I've not followed any Western Conference hockey. To me, that's the, to me that's that's far. It's like a foreign language to me. Hockey in the Western Conference, but yeah, I mean, Jace watches more hockey than I, so I trust his opinion there. That whoever wins the Avalanche uh, Golden Knights series is going to win the Cup. Do you agree with Jace there? Yeah, I think I think it could be Colorado. I think they're the best team regular season, I believe. They get two. I think it's a series so that again, both those teams are so good that they could just wear each other out. And again, the other team just doesn't have whoever gets out of that just doesn't have enough. Even though in the Canadian kind of, you know. Yeah, these, these, these whole regions are screwing me up this year. I'm so used to Eastern yeah, Conference and Western Conference. This, these divisions are screwing me up this year. Yeah, That's why it's hard to follow, yeah. Nashville could be in the Eastern Conference on finals, even though they're usually on the West, Western. So <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah. weird. I know. It, it's weird. But, again, the Can- you know, they couldn't play in the Canada team, so they kind of had to do it like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Kind of, you know, so it was tough. But um, they had to kind of work with what they had. But. I could see a spot where, you know, Avs and, yeah, Golden Knights um, just, again, like, you know, Jay said, to do kind of each other, where they just kind of wear each other down and they both don't have enough left in the tank. Um, 
But I think, yeah, Vegas, Vegas, you know, can't tell with the former Ranger Wolfpack goalie. That's been playing really well for the while. He's kind of kept oh, wow. on that series. But, um, yeah. yeah. So it's 3 2 right now. But, yeah, those, those, those two teams I would say are the favorites. Now, going to this, now seeing who the Bruins would play, who, who, who the Bruins would play, you know, the Islanders or the Penguins. The Islanders lead the series three games to two over, over the Penguins. Again, Barry Trotz doing an outstanding job because even though they're a local team, I can't name one player on the Islanders, and this team just continues to win in the playoffs. Last year, they get to the conference finals against the Lightning. This year, they're about to beat Sidney Cross. They're about to beat Crosby and Malkin and the Penguins. So here's, here's the thing. Here's the question. What do the Islanders have to do to close out this series? And they're going to be at home. They're going to be they're going to be at home in Long Island to try to close it out. Yeah. It, now it could be the final game on NASA too tonight. If they lose and the Penguins win Game Seven, this could be. You it know what? I like the fact the Islanders are back on the island. That's where the oh, Islanders yes. belong. That's the true. Islanders don't belong in Brooklyn. No. The Islanders belong back on Long Island. They are Long Island's team. That's the one thing I do know yeah. about hockey is the Islanders are Long Island's team. Unfortunately. I root for the other team in New York, so you know I, I don't get to you know I'm not I don't get to enjoy a playoff run like this. But the Islanders are Long Island's team, so uh, what do they got to do to close out this series? Again, Keith, um, they've been great against Pittsburgh's power play. I think they're two for ten in the series. They've been great. Again, it um, capitalized off of mistakes. Again, I don't know if you saw how they won a double overtime. Rookie goalie, um, bad pass, kind of playing it out of the zone or trying to get it out of the zone. Bad pass. Island took advantage and. Scored seconds later. Um, again, because it's a rookie goalie, keep point shots on. They were absolutely, they were absolutely dominated, and that's the thing about hockey. You can be absolutely dominate, dominated in a game, but and if you can find a way to get, you know, one goal across, it, it makes all the difference. And the Islanders were beating that. Um, the other guy too has been a rookie, Isla Sor- uh, Sorkin. The, the Islanders goalie's been three and zero in the series. Uh, his goal for average is like a one. His save friends at uh, 0.950. He's been unbelievable. As a, he played great in game five. Um, Tristan Jar for Pittsburgh had struggled. He's a rookie goalie as well. He struggled in this game, um, in this series. He hasn't, he's, he struggled, you know, made a couple of bad mistakes and um, it cost him. But the Islanders capitalize on mistakes. Get the make sure you get the first goal to knock off, you know, put the pressure on Pittsburgh because obviously they don't want to go back to Pittsburgh for game seven. Absolutely. And what do the Penguins have to do to come back and win the series? They got to get um, Crosby, Malkin, that first line. They got to, um, they got to take advantage early. Um, so all the way around, they got to, they got to put the Islanders on their heels here. Jari's got to play better. He's got to cut down some of the mistakes that they, that he's made. Um, Again, um, try to get into a shootout with the island. You know, um, try to get to this goal. Um, Sorkin, he's I think at 48 saves the other night. You got to just keep firing pucks at him. Hope it goes in. But the last three years, if you remember, Pittsburgh's really struggled to score goals. I think last year the Canadians upset them in the qualifying round, and I believe the year before that was it. Tampa that knocked them out in six. I don't think no. You know, Tampa lost to the Blue Jackets. I remember that. Oh I yeah, think, that was that wild upset. I think um, it might have been the hurricane. I think it might have the Hurricanes that beat him in the first yeah, round. Yeah, actually, um, the Islanders actually swept. Them. Oh, the Islanders, Islanders. Okay. Yeah, the Islanders. Yeah, because the Hurricanes beat the Islanders. Yeah. So and they strove to score goals in that. They've really showed the last few years in the playoffs. And then they lost to the they lost to the Capitals in eighteen, right? Yeah, they lost. Yeah, the second round. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ever so since they, they won those back to back cups, they haven't been to the conference finals. 
yeah, you know, it's they just for a team that's so good offensively, they've really showed to get the get down to just find a way to get pucks in the back of the net. They got to be able to find that. They got to get some confidence there tonight. You know, um, I think for the most part, the Islanders have done a pretty good job with that first line of Mulkin and Crosby. Um, but they got to get going tonight. They got to get this Pittsburgh energy, you know, this, just, just get the team some confidence that they can put a goal past Sorkin right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're the Bruins, you're sitting here, you're the Bruins, you're waiting. Who would you rather play Islanders or Penguins? I'd probably go with the Islanders because, um, the Bruins are going to get home ice. So they, you know, one game one and two and game seven, obviously at home, which you want. Um, also to, I think they kind of, um, both teams are kind of similar. They're really, really good defensively. The Islanders were first, um, it goes allowed. They have 10 shutouts, which would led the, um, the conference. And for the Bruins too, you don't have to shut down a superstar like a Cindy Crosby. The Islanders have a lot of good players. Matthew Barzell, I think, led the team of points, but he only had 17 goals and he was their best. I think they had one, had 16. Like, it's just a team that um, they have a lot of good players, but they don't have that superstar that you always have to keep an eye on. Um, and that's the one kind of big thing that, but it's going to be a grinded out type of series. I think they match up well against each other. The Islanders won the first five in the series this year, but the Bruins won the last three. So the Bruins started to kind of figure out the Islanders the last few times around. So um, I'd probably take the Bruins um, probably uh, six or seven games. It's going to be a lot of contact. They need to be very chippy, which makes for great playoff hockey. Um, but I, I think the Bruins much rather face the Islanders. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, who did a great job. For Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back here next week talking more NBA playoffs and previewing the first series between the Yankees and Red Sox. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everyone. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m.